1208. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. This is an amazing story. And I don't want to get buried with all the other stuff that's out there. As Eric was just telling you, the stock market has exploded in a good way. Um, This is clearly Wall Street's reaction to the news that there is going to be a tax reform bill. That's that's clearly what, what you are seeing here. The Dow Jones Industrials up, wait for it, 352 points right now. It was up as high as like 368 a couple minutes ago. Don't know where it's ultimately going to finish. But the Dow Jones Industrials has never finished over 24,000. Right now it sits at 24,296. Um, the NASDAQ up 57. So from the perspective of people who think, well, this is going to be bad for people or bad for the economy, um, right now, the way Wall Street is reacting, it's very, very good. And that is a positive thing for anybody who has money invested in the markets, not just the rich people, but everybody who invests through their 401ks or their IRAs or whatever. So we'll continue to follow that story again Um few hours, three hours to go before the market closes. But right now, 351 points. And that is a response. I think it's directly, directly correlated to the news coming out of Washington. Uh, John McCain says he's a yes vote on tax reform. We don't still know what the shape of tax reform is going to take. You know, where is it ultimately going to come down? But Wall Street responding extremely positively. I guess if something happens to derail that, you, you could see... A lot of those gains disappear, but at least for the moment, if you have money invested for your retirement, today a very, very good day. Ah, kind of bad news. Um, At the same time, Jim Neighbors, who was one of the original cast members, I I think when we talk about television shows and and situation comedies, you can – there's arguments as to which the best one was. Some people think Seinfeld, and I agree. I think Seinfeld holds up very, very well. A number of my friends absolutely love the show Friends. I, I haven't quite gotten into it like that, but you've got Friends. And then you go back to the what was one of the original golden ages of television. I love Lucy, of course, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, the Mary Tyler Moore show that followed after that. But a lot of people would say that one of the greatest, if not the greatest situation comedy ever, was the Andy Griffith show. Um, that ran for a number of years. And uh, the news today is that Jim Neighbors, who originated the character of Gomer Pyle on the Andy Griffith show and then left after a couple of years to star in his own show, Gomer Pyle, you know, U.S. Marines, USMC. Um, but uh, Jim Neighbors passed away. He was uh, the second last adult member of the cast still still living ron howard who played opie is of course still alive but you know andy griffith passed away in 2012 um anita corso who played uh, helen crump of uh, school teacher she passed away in 1995 don knotts passed away in tw- 2006 george Lindsay, who played goober passed away in 2012 uh, Francis Bavier, Aunt B, passed away in 1989, and, and the list goes on and on. Um, the last remaining uh, living adult cast member, aside from Ron Howard, is uh, Betty Lynn. She played Thelma Lou, and she's in her 90s, and she lives in North Carolina, and she's she's still around and kicking. But um, otherwise, this uh, passing of Jim Neighbors, again, it's it's kind of sort of the end of an era, and I, I just... 
I I loved. I just loved the Andy Griffith show. I thought that was a great show. And um, again, more and more is a sign that you're getting old when you know more and more of the people that you watched during your childhood end up passing away. All right, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up on today's program in the one o'clock hour. If you live in Milwaukee County, I believe that Milwaukee County Exec- County Supervisor Sheldon Wasserman. Um, together with Chris Abley, the county executive, and a handful of other members of the county board should be writing us all a checkout for $83,000. I will explain. But we start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Big story number one. Yes, it is the Matt Lauer story. As I was getting off the air yesterday, Variety published the, the piece that it had been working on for several weeks about what a, hmm, what's the word, what a sleazebag Matt Lauer really, really was. And it was a lengthy, detailed story that talked about a a pattern. And that's one of the things I, I always look for in these things, a pattern of sexual harassment. This wasn't just one claim or one complaint, but Matt Lauer apparently over the years had engaged in a pattern of behavior towards um, female staffers, um, some of whom apparently he ended up in consensual relationships with, lots of others who he just did, decided to take advantage of. Stories like how he'd, you know, whistle some of the, the young workers, the female workers into his office. He had a button that he could lock the door so people couldn't come in after him. And then he would expose himself. Um, deals where he was on the road, he'd apparently make arrangements for these workers to deliver in pillows and things like that. Just really, really disgusting, despicable behavior. I'm not even going to go into it. I'm sure a lot of other people have. You know, you can see the variety story that's out there. So you have that. And, and this this went on for years. It was not a secret within the at least the confines of the Today Show. But one of the things that happened is, especially after Katie Couric left in 2006, the Today Show is the cash cow for NBC. The Today Show is the $500 million franchise. It's where they make their money. Used to be the Today Show and the Tonight Show, the Tonight Show less now as, as these late-night shows don't have the popularity that they necessarily did in the Johnny Carson days. But the Today Show was the big deal. And Matt Lauer was the big kahuna on the Today Show. He had incredible power. And it's very, very clear that he misused that power or he used the power in order to, I don't know, exploit these young women. Now, it's interesting. When they canned him yesterday... The statement from NBC News and the president, Andy uh, Lack, who I, I honestly think I, I'm stunned that this guy still has a job. The statement was very, very lawyerly. It, it said we said we found out about a complaint filed um, on Monday. We promptly investigated it. And now he's gone. Well, I, I, I was skeptical of that at the time. But it was real interesting to me the way they phrased it because they were talking about the complaint. Uh, essentially, this was a complaint that was made to human resources. All right, So they don't say, and they didn't say in the statement, whether they were aware of complaints that didn't rise to the level of, say, a charge. In, in other words, 
was this the first woman who actually walked into human resources and made a complaint, as opposed to were there all sorts of other staffers who went to executives who complained about the behavior, but it never rose to the level of actually going in and saying, okay, I want to file a formal charge with human resources. That appears to be the case, because what is emerging from one story after another is you had women complaining about this guy right and left for his behavior, but it appears that NBC News, because he was Matt Lauer, because he was the face of this $500 million franchise, decided that they were going to look the other way. And the word got out, as it frequently does, that, hey, you know, you don't want to mess with Matt because he's the guy that has all this power. Now, NBC, again, claiming they, they just didn't know about this. This is all this is just this revelation that, that came in, you know, Monday. Um, all right. Four, one, four, seven, nine, nine, one, six, twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What, what drives me crazy, I, look, I, I have no sympathy for Matt Lauer at all. He, he's getting what, what he deserves. He's now issued his own sort of a, apology. I, I, I don't care about he, he deserves. If, if he did all these various things and there does appear to be a pattern of this behavior involving multiple women over the years, okay, that, that's fine. But what drives me crazy about this is what I perceive as being the hypocrisy. I don't believe for one minute that the executives at NBC – didn't know that this was going on. Now, maybe nobody had walked into human resources and said, I want to file a formal charge. But the impression you get from these stories that's coming out, multiple women over the years, complaints to executives, both male and female, and nothing being done. To say that the head of NBC News or people, um, higher-ups at NBC, didn't know what was going on, I think is, like I was saying earlier, I think it's what Lyndon Johnson always used to say, don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. 414-799-1620, that is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you believe that this comes as a complete shock to the executives at NBC News that Matt Lauer had been engaging in a long pattern of harassment towards female members of the staff over, it appears, you know, a five, ten-year period. 414-799-1620. And again, it's the hypocrisy of this that drives me nuts. I don't care what happens to Matt Lauer. He gets whatever he deserves. But the, the, these corporations, or in this case, NBC News, just like CBS and PBS with Charlie Rose a week or so ago, claiming, oh, we're shocked. We're shocked to find out that this was going on. I call bull on that. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. It's 1219. This is Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1221. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I get, it just, it just drives me crazy that Andy Lack, who's the head of NBC News, trying to claim, oh, we're just stunned. And as soon as we found out about allegations about Matt Lauer, we acted. I just don't believe that. I think they are lying. I think that people there had to know. Now, was there was there a formal complaint filed with human resources? No. But these stories are coming out. Women were complaining to executives right and left. He was their cash cow. They looked the other way. Andy Lack, was a, he's the head of NBC News, close buddy of Matt Lauer. And if they show Matt Lauer the door, they should be showing Andy Lack the door as well. It's just it's the hypocrisy of these companies that say, oh, let's give us credit for acting quickly when I believe they covered this stuff up for years and years, and they're only acting now because, 
Well, they know that the New York Times or Variety is going to, you know, come out and do a particular story. Yeah, here we have a text. Can we stop giving NBC credit for acting quickly? They acted a few hours before years of rumors and accusations um, became public in Variety. Yes. Um, Larry in Illinois. Larry, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Larry. Hi, how are you, Jeff? Good. What do you think? You mean you, mean you don't believe the Democratic liberals and their honesty <laughs> with this situation? Well, you know, it's, mean, well, it's interesting. This is the same network that spiked the story about Harvey Weinstein for, you know, over a year saying you didn't have enough evidence. Hmm, wonder what could right. be going on there. Now, the other question i got to ask you is, what do you think about the Roy Moore deal in Alabama and the velocity or the veracity of the claim about this yearbook, but they never want to have the handwriting analyzed for what reason why. Yeah, I... Yeah, that, that yearbook thing. I mean, thanks. The, the yearbook thing with Roy Moore is weird because there's a suggestion that it, it might be in two different types of ink. I. I I don't know. See, here's where I come down on Roy Moore. I think it is disappointing that Republicans voted for him. I think the guy's a kook. Um, I, I, I just do because of, like, his history on the bench and things like that. My problem, again, with Roy Moore is I don't I, – I, I take no position on what – did he did he grope some girl 40 years ago? I, I just – I am troubled by the idea that he acknowledges he's when he's 30-some years old, he, he's dating – he's, he's quote-unquote, dating, um, you know – high school girls at the mall that is a very very weird sort of thing i don't know what alabama voters are going to do with this it is an unfortunate reflection though of uh, a highly republican state that has nominated somebody who candidly there's got to be better candidates than roy moore uh dan on the south side dan you're on wtmj good afternoon hey uh, jeff how you doing good what do you think well, uh, as I was telling you, buddy, there, I'm an independent 100%. I got to ask you a question if you would take it or not. All right. We're talk- I know there's so much talk about this all the- throughout the United States about all these high executives and politicians and everything. And, you know, some should resign and everything else. Well, what about Trump? Why shouldn't he resign then? Well, I guess, I mean, first of all, let me, let me back up here. For- first of all, um, <sighs> There's a double standard with politicians and people in the workplace. Politicians are held accountable by the, the voters. People ask, why is John Conyers there? Why is why is Al Franken there? And it's because the voters are the ones that make the decisions. That the people in the media or otherwise, they've got bosses, and so they are ultimately, you know, held accountable for this. Now, in the case of President Trump, the Access Hollywood tape came out well, bo- and when and he now says, well, it might have been, you know, doctor, give me a break. That Access Hollywood tape came out well before the election. People knew it, and they voted for him anyway. So, I mean, the, the, the public has, making, has, has made its choice. At the same time, though, I mean, I think you are talking about, I don't know, apples to oranges, but you're talking about way different kind of apples. In the case of somebody like Matt Lauer, you, you are talking about harassment in the workplace as opposed to just kind of being a, a generalized, um, j- just generally they're not treating women well. And I'm not going to defend the allegations against Donald Trump one way or, or the other, other than to say that the voters have decided. But again, my larger point with this segment is you, you, you wonder if, if news media wonders why people don't trust them. Th- this is one of the reasons. 
It, it, it just is. You, you come out, you try to get on your high horse, you say, well, we're shocked, we're stunned. It reminds me of the scene with Captain Renault in the great movie Casablanca, where he's playing the roulette wheel, and then all of a sudden he says, I'm shocked, I'm shocked to find that gambling is going on here. I mean, really? Seriously? Seriously? And I guess that's what's frustrating about this. When they came out with that statement yesterday, early saying, well, hey, we just found out about this and we've immediately acted and let's pat ourselves on the back, I thought that was BS. And the more details that are coming out, the more it is apparent that that is exactly the case. And if Matt Lauer's got to go, I mean, maybe the people that covered up for him for years should be going, going, gone as well. It's 1227. When we come back, Right around Brookfield Square, it was almost like the OK Corral. We'll discuss. Stick around. 1227. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 1236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ Group, producing the show today. You know what Wagner's rule of life number four is, correct? It is. Unless you are a porno star, and maybe even then, you should never take nude photographs of yourself. That is very, very good advice. Last week, we told you the story of long-serving Texas Congressman Joe Barton. Um, Barton has been in Congress for um, 34 years, I I think. He was the guy that, while he was going through a divorce, was apparently seeing many ladies. Um, Now, I think he's 70. I don't exactly know when this happened, but within the last five or six years. Okay, so he's going through divorce. This isn't a a harassment situation. It's nothing like that. But he thinks it is a good idea to take nude photographs of himself and then send them to the the lady that he is, is seeing. Now, these weren't just any nude photographs. They were taken, I I saw one of them, and it was taken from, let me put it like this, a peculiar and not particularly flattering angle. Now, here's the reality. For for most people, certainly most guys, and and maybe women as well, you know, nude photographs, eh, I don't know, it it just, generally it's kind of like, that's not necessary. Me naked is not a pretty sight. I'm willing to just say that, okay? All right, so... Here, why this guy at the age of 60-something or other thought these photos were going to be, hmm, I, I don't, you know, here, here, honey, here I am. I don't know why he thought this was going to be a good idea, but he takes these photos, and like I say, one or two of them were from particularly odd angles that um, didn't necessarily, I, mean, I don't know that there would be any flattering angles, but he, he sends these out, and then... As inevitably happens, I, I don't know what the story is on, on the woman who decided to, or I don't know how these got made public. I don't know if it was one of the people who got them and they, they ended up breaking up and this is a case of revenge porn or whether or not, you know, it got distributed to somebody else, anything. Anyways, the, these these photos and potential videos become public and it's extremely embarrassing. Now, like I say, this isn't a, it, it wasn't a case of sexual harassment. Um, it was, from what I at least am able to glean, it was, you know, videos he took when he was in a consensual relationship with somebody, you know, and so it, it just, he did it. Bad, 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 bad idea. He is now announcing today that he is not going to seek re-election 
following um, following these particular photographs. Um, he says, I've always listened to the people in Texas and worked for them in Washington. I've been listening to a lot of people in the last week in Texas. There are enough people who lost faith in me that it's time to step aside and let there be a new voice for the 6th District in Washington, so I am not going to run for re-election. This about-face ends a congressional career that spans more than three decades. So, again, it, this is one of these deals where it's it's not a harassment situation. It's simply... That bad judgment that occurs when you violate Wagner's rule of life number four, which is, unless you're a porn star, and maybe even then, it's never a good idea to take nude photographs of yourself. Big story number two. Uh, Brookfield Square, or at least the area around Brookfield Square, becomes essentially the OK Corral for a couple minutes um, last night. Here's the story. Um, there is a Lyft driver. I, I think you, you know what Lyft is. Lyft and Uber are the ride-sharing operations that compete with cab companies. You, ha- you have the app on your phone. You put in, whether it's Uber or Lyft or whatever, you put in where you are. You put in where you want to go. And there's all sorts of people who you know drive around making money on the side. They're driving their personal cars, and they respond. So apparently what happens is you have a, a Lyft driver who picks up four passengers at a motel in Brookfield and drives them to the area of Brookfield Square. Um, this happens late Wednesday night. I think it's about 11 o'clock at night, right, about 11 o'clock at night. According to um, the police who are attributing this to the, the Lyft driver, the Lyft driver pulls over and he exits apparently what he says is he's as he's driving he sees that one of the guys in the back has has a gun and has pulled out a gun the lift driver pulls over and exits the vehicle when all four passengers also exit the vehicle in the parking lot at Brookfield Square the lift driver who has his own handgun says he fired four rounds at the suspects as they fled across the parking lot. Officers were able to apprehend one of the four suspects. The three suspects that are still being sought um, are described as black males, approximately 20 years old, wearing dark hooded sweatshirts. They say the suspects should be considered armed and dangerous. So what the guy, the Lyft driver, is saying is, hey, I'm driving these guys. Um, it looks like it's going to be a robbery. One of them pulls out a gun. I pull over. I grab my gun. They get out of the car. I get out of my car, and I shoot at at them. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question. That Those are all the details we know thus far. But let us assume, for the sake of argument, that this is what the Lyft driver describes as being. You know, he's got these four guys. It's late at night, hooded sweatshirts. He's picked them up at this motel. He's taken them over to Brookfield Square, and it looks like they're going to rob him. One of them pulls out a one of them pulls out a piece, and it's it's a robbery attempt. His response is to pull over to the side of the road. He jumps out of the car with his gun, and he starts shooting at them as they flee. I can't tell from the story whether any of them fired at him. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should anything happen to the Lyft driver? Let's assume that that is exactly what the story was. 
you know, there was this robbery that was going to take place. One of them has the gun. He forestalls it by jumping out of the car, but he starts firing at these guys as they are running. All right. Should there be any criminal charges considered against the Lyft driver? He's firing shots, apparently, at, at people who are would-be robbers who are now running away from him. 414-799-1620. Does that strike you as right? Did the Lyft driver violate the law, in your opinion? Should he be charged if he did? Or is this simply a situation where kind of no harm, no foul under the circumstances? What, if anything, should happen to the Lyft driver? I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss. But this is one of these topics. It's big story number two. I don't want to prejudice your opinion necessarily. What should happen to the Lyft driver under these circumstances, if anything? It's 1243. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 46, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Our Kids for Kids Christmas campaign is underway. Join us tomorrow at BMP Healthcare and Manor, BMP Healthcare and Community Living in Milwaukee. Both yours truly and Wisconsin's Afternoon News are going to be broadcasting live. It starts at noon. We'll be there till 6 o'clock. I would personally love to see you and your kids there with all your new unwrapped toys. Um, help those who need it this holiday season with Kids to Kids Christmas at from WTMJ, the Salvation Army, and Capco Metal Stamping. Um, and I will tell you this, v- VMP does a tremendous job. I can't remember how many years that we, we've been here. It's out there. It seems like a lot. And, you know, they, they set up. They have, like, a Christmas wonderland there. It's just it's a lot of fun. So if you happen to be in the area, um, stop off, drop off a new unwrapped toy we it's the collective we it's the royal we we make sure it gets to uh the salvation army and they make sure it gets to um some children so they can have perhaps a little bit merrier christmas 414-799-1620 that is the accident mortgage talk and text line this is going to be an interesting conversation at least this is what the police are saying thus far if you're just tuning in Uh, a lyft driver you know one of the ride sharing things gets the gets a call goes to a town of brookfield motel late yesterday evening picks up four guys in hooded sweatshirts his the driver's story is he he's driving he looks in the rearview mirror and one of them has pulled out a a gun um he perceives this as a robbery i don't know if they told him he was being robbed or not but he pulls the car into the Brookfield Square parking lot. He grabs his own gun that he's carrying. He jumps out of the car. The bad guys jump out of the car. They start fleeing. He fires, by his own admission, four shots at them. Doesn't hit them. They've captured one of them. They're still looking for the other three. I'm not finding out. The story isn't saying whether they fired back at him or not. But he's shooting at people as he's running away. What should happen to the driver, if anything? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Bill in Hartford. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling, sir. Yeah, so, okay, I'm a concealed carry person myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot fire at someone as they are fleeing from you. You can meet the expectations. So he did the correct thing, pulling over, getting out of the vehicle. He saw them brandish a weapon. At that time, he can brandish his, but you can't fire at them. They're running away. Mm-hmm. So then he should have, you know, called the police, let the police do their job. Okay, then, because once you fire that round, you have, you own it until it makes impact. Mm-hmm. Should he be cited? Yeah. But cite him for, you know, uh, firing a weapon in city limits. Mm-hmm. Take a concealed carry? No. Okay. And, then, you know, because my question to you now is, at what point do you stand up for the bully? 
Well, that's see, that's the that's the issue because you are you are exactly right. And again, the details are a little bit murky about this, but you're you're right. And I'll just I, without going into too many details, you're only allowed to use deadly force. And firing a gun at someone is using deadly force to the extent that you need to do it to prevent or eliminate an imminent threat to you. And sure. you're right. If you have people running, that's why police officers. It's not like in the movies. Police officers don't shoot at people that are running away from them unless the people are shooting back but they don't right. just shoot at people to try to stop them as they're running away because that's not an appropriate use of deadly force if they are in fact running away I guess the question becomes though under circumstances like this you know from a law enforcement perspective are you going to charge the guy? Because a lot of people are going to see it exactly like you say, Bill. At what point in time do you stand up to the bully? Somebody's trying to rob you, and you end up scaring them off, and maybe you shouldn't have actually technically fired the shots, but is any jury going to convict this guy if you try to discharge him yeah, with a crime? I mean, Wisconsin, we have the castle law, but you know what? He's not in his castle. Right. He's out in a public forum. Right. Would you, charge, would you charge him with a crime? Pardon? Would you charge him with a crime, the cab driver, the Uber driver, the Lyft uh, driver? Probably, probably with discharging a firearm and city limits. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jay, who's calling us from the east side. Jay, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good afternoon. Well, I'm also a concealed carry carrier, and I was trained by a police officer who was 30 years in service, and he basically said to us, you don't want to ever shoot that gun. Policemen don't want to shoot that gun. You only use it when your life is in danger. Mm-hmm. And basically everything the previous caller said is correct. But I, in my opinion, he should have his concealed carry license to hold. Um, basically, we in Wisconsin have the ability to get concealed carry or even open carry licenses. You have to have them in your person when you're carrying a firearm. Right. And if the police were right there, they would have probably taken him off the jail. For for the discharge of the gun, yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's. And again, I don't know. By the way, um, I, the story doesn't say whether he had a concealed carry permit or not. I don't think I mentioned that. The story doesn't say one way or the other. It says he had a gun um, that he was was clearly carrying for self protect for his own protection under these types of circumstances. Here, text line has exploded. Jeff, nothing should happen to him. These thugs should learn that law abiding citizens carry guns and will use them if needed. He did the right thing. That's Matt from Sheboygan. Another text, no charges, good for him. He is a hero. Um, the lift, Here's another one. The Lyft driver should not have had a gun to begin with. He's not in law enforcement and should not have fired his gun in an offensive manner. He could have hit innocent shoppers in the parking lot. Uh, that's what Greg says. By offensive, I think he means um, not offensive in that, gee, it's an offensive smell. It's just offensive in that he was being the aggressor in the case. Brian and Brookfield writes, if they were fleeing, he was not in danger and therefore should not have been discharging his weapon. I believe in Brookfield and in most communities it is illegal to fire a weapon unless it is in self-defense. Um, now, th- this, this is kind of a difficult sort of situation that's there because, again, the law is very clear that you you can only you can only use that type of force in order to repel a similar threat and if it is in fact true that the bad guys were running away from him that is there was no longer a threat to him they were fleeing trying to get away it would seem to me that that would be an inappropriate use of force now having said all that 
Having said all that, I have to believe if I'm sitting in the Waukesha County DA's office and I'm looking at this case and I'm trying to be practical about it, I'm saying, okay, here's the guy's story. He's taking these four people. It is late at night. One of them pulls out a gun. Um, he perceives that it is a robbery, or maybe they tell him it's a robbery. Don't know what the circumstances are. Um, and they get into an altercation, and he fires these guns while they are fleeing. Given the fact that nobody ended up getting hurt, even if the cab driver was a cab driver, even if the Lyft driver was wrong, this is one where I think if I'm the DA under these circumstances, I kind of view it as a no harm, no foul sort of situation because I'm trying to picture out if you charge this cab driver, the Lyft driver, you charge him. His story is, I was fearful for my life. I panicked in this situation. It's late at night. There's four of them. They've got this gun. Um, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have reacted like that, but you got to understand, you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to get killed. I, I think... That's the type of thing that, well, from a DA's perspective, if you were to charge the Lyft driver, good luck with trying to convince 12 people in Waukesha County that this guy was, um, that this guy committed a crime. Tasha in New Berlin. Tasha, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi I Tasha. was calling in regards to the incident. Uh-huh. Um, well, I actually know this person. Okay, I don't want to mention. I don't want to mention names because it's no, no, I'm not made it public. Okay, names. sure. Of course. So, not. so you know the Lyft driver? Okay. Yes, I know the Lyft driver, and he just feels like he was protecting himself, mm-hmm. and he was threatened. And in an instance where you're flight or fight, you know, he's obviously going to protect himself and his property, which is his vehicle. Mm-hmm. And in this situation, he felt that that was necessary and have you let me ask to you, let them know have, have you have you talked tasha have you talked to the driver since this happened he's been saying things on his uh social media pages okay right and i mean i guess i see and, I, and that's why i kind of look at this and say technically if you look at the law yeah he probably exceeded his exceeded his authority but it's a practical matter. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night. You've got four guys in the car. They're trying to rob you. Um, you know, in some respects, you're kind of splitting hairs if you say, well, he shouldn't have fired. He was. He just wanted He wanted him gone, would be my guess. Right. And my husband, he actually drives for Uber and mm-hmm. Lyft also. And I have to agree with this particular driver and his situation because I feel so scared for my husband every time that he's out there because... With so many carjackings in the oh, news yeah. lately, it's just so prevalent, and I worry. Like he's all by himself, someone could see him sitting there idly and just come up to them, not even being a passenger, and hold a gun up to him. And he's not even allowed to have a gun because technically, on their code of conduct, they say we do not allow our right. passengers or our drivers to carry and. Yeah, he but of course, right? The, yeah, the pa- right. The passengers aren't right. The passengers who are inclined to carry guns, I'm sure that they don't care what the Uber or Lyft regulations right. are, you know, one way exactly. or the other. Yeah. So oh, that's. In- I guess I see. I don't. I don't really use the ride sharing things a lot, but their policy is drivers are not supposed to be armed, huh? Right. Hmm. Um, wonder. I that raises another issue. I wonder what Lyft will do. You think Lyft will pull this guy's um, pull this guy's ability to drive for Account? them? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because they can deactivate a driver for any sort of reason. Yeah, so once it comes out that he that he had the gun, regardless of 
what his purpose was in using it. Yeah, interesting. And thanks for the call. I appreciate the perspective, Tasha. Yeah, that's kind of where I come down as well. I mean, I think that that's that's certainly the story that I, I think you're going to get. Hey, I'm it's late at night. I got these guys. They're trying to rob me. If I might have exceeded the technical boundaries of the law, I'm really sorry. But you know what? It's late at night. They're sticking a gun in my face. I'm trying to. I want them to go away. I don't want them hurting me. I don't want them taking my cab. If I were the district attorney, I think I would find that pretty persuasive. Big story number three is coming up. The controversy over TripAdvisor doesn't go away. And then after that, I think there's a county supervisor and the county executive that should be writing me and everybody else who lives in Milwaukee County a check for 83 grand. Stick around. It's 1257. One hundred nine, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, as Eric was telling you, the stock market up big. We will continue to follow the story right now. The Dow, which was up over three hundred, was up about three hundred sixty-eight points um, about an hour ago. Now it's up two hundred and ninety-eight. So it's coming down to earth a little bit, but it, it's still up, up huge. And what you're seeing, this explosion of the Dow, is because of the fact that John McCain has announced that he's going to vote for the tax reform package. And Wall Street obviously responding very, very well to that. Don't know where it's ultimately going to finish up. All right, big story number three, TripAdvisor. Now, we've talked about this once or twice in the past. TripAdvisor is a travel and website, travel and restaurant website company that provides hotel and restaurant reviews. You know, people go on and they post their reviews and their experiences um, on it. And it's something a lot of people, you know, look at TripAdvisor to try to say, hey, I'm going to, um, I'm going to Austin, Texas. And I, I've never been to Austin, Texas before, and I'm looking for ideas as to places to stay or, you know, restaurants to go to or whatever. Lots of people depend on on this. Now, the way TripAdvisor makes makes money is um, essentially it's they had $1.5 billion in revenue last year. About $1.2 billion of their money comes from hotels. The money comes primarily through click-based advertising in which uh, partners like online travel agencies or direct hotel suppliers pay TripAdvisor for each click on their advertiser site. So in other words, if I'm looking for that hotel in, in Austin, Texas, and I'm on TripAdvisor and I read some really, really good reviews about Gru's Downtown Hotel – and then, you know, I, I click on that, TripAdvisor gets paid. So TripAdvisor has an economic interest in trying to direct people to the, the to take trips, essentially, and to, you know, use, uh, again, some of the people who advertise um, there. So that, that's kind of the incentive. Well, I think you're probably familiar with the story. The um, There have been a series of situations going back, oh, for several years now, where there have been tourists who um, go to resorts, particularly resorts in Mexico, where there's been really bad things that have happened to them. They have been, in some cases, drugged or robbed or sexually assaulted or murdered. And what's happened is people have tried to describe these experiences on TripAdvisor, only to find the TripAdvisor won't allow them to post these reviews. Um, 
Uh, Of course, one of the stories that's out there um, involves uh, somebody from Appleton who back in 2015 tried to post a review on TripAdvisor saying that she was sexually assaulted at a a hotel, a resort in in Mexico um, after she and her husband were drugged. Um, This came five years after another woman, this time from Dallas, tried to post her description of being raped at the same resort only to have TripAdvisor repeatedly remove it. Um, and, and this is consistent. So you have people that go in and say, hey, wait a second, you better be aware. You stay at this particular place, and this is what happened to me. TripAdvisor would not allow that to be posted. And so people are then, therefore, not aware that this type of stuff is going on. Now, what they have done, TripAdvisor, in response to these reports that people have, that TripAdvisor hasn't been allowing these reviews to be posted, TripAdvisor says, okay, well, you know, we're, we're not going to allow the reviews to be posted, but we will place a warning on some businesses for possible health, safety, or discrimination issues. So in other words, they'll put a badge there, but they won't say whether that's, gee, I saw cockroaches or I was drugged and raped. All right. Now, Tammy Baldwin, who is running for reelection next year, and it's no secret I'm not necessarily a fan of Tammy Baldwin, but she's out there. She's written to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, and she is saying that I think TripAdvisor, this is Baldwin saying, needs to be investigated for possible violations of consumer protection laws for failing to post reviews from travelers who say they were sexually assaulted at Mexican resorts. Baldwin says this might be a case of putting profits over providing an open, honest forum for traveler reviews on TripAdvisor. I called the FTC to look into this, and they should get to the bottom of it. Now, it's unclear if the FTC is going to do anything or not. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk or Text Line. Now, I understand that this is that this is kind of a slippery slope. Because what happens is, that's one of the powers of the Internet, and anybody who's a business owner knows that, you know, you are, you can be the victim of fake reviews. You know, people, um, you know, putting these nasty reviews up that aren't true, and that could have a huge impact on businesses. No question about it. At the same time, you know, here you have TripAdvisor, who purportedly holds itself out as somebody here, we're, we're going to provide you, we're going to give you this information, we're going to allow you to make the decisions, they get compensated in part by the decisions that people make when they are using TripAdvisor, and they are knowingly and intentionally spiking, spiking derogatory information, which arguably might make a customer decide, I'm not going anywhere near this particular resort if three different people say that they were drugged and sexually assaulted. 414-799-1620, does the FTC need to look into this, is simply putting up a badge. Is that enough, or should TripAdvisor allow, if you're going to have an open forum, should they be deleting the bad stuff? 414-799-1620. My response is, I do think this sounds like deceptive advertising. Unless you are going to prominently say, we edit these posts. We edit the posts to take out derogatory information. 
If you're going to put that notice out there, that's one thing. But if you are promoting your site as, hey, this is a public forum, you can share your experiences without specifically telling people you can only share your good experiences, it does strike me as being fraudulent. 414-799-1620, what do you think? It's 117, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 120, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I have a special announcement to make. Yes. I and the whole I get continue to get dragged into the 21st century, but the rest of the station embraces it. Um, this is the latest project by a number of people behind the scenes, including my friend Dan Dan, the social media man. We are going to do something a little bit different this hour. If you log on right now to WTMJ.com slash Studio Cam, one word, S-T-U-D-I-O-C-A-M, we're broadcasting this half hour of the show using a high-definition studio camera. Hmm. You can see what I look like, and you can see what I am wearing. If I had known we were doing this, I might have dressed better for today. Anyhow, again, it's WTMJ.com slash studio cam, and you can watch us through the remainder of today's show. It's, uh, again, this is a high-definition studio camera. We're, we're doing this kind of on an experimental basis, and... Uh, you can follow the show that way as well, WTMJ.com slash Studio Camp. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, Tammy Baldwin says she thinks the FC, FTC should look at TripAdvisor. Kelly in West Bend. Kelly, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. What do you think? Well, I never thought the day would come that I would agree with Tammy Baldwin <laughs> on anything, yeah. but this is one where I've always been a big fan of TripAdvisor. I've used it a lot. I used to rely on it pretty heavily anytime we would travel. But I've noticed that over the years, TripAdvisor has become very involved in editing uh, posts, um, having a, a fairly uh, you know significant influence on what's posted on their forums and reviews. Um, I've had a number of things removed for what I thought were very minor things with no explanation. Now, would typically would the minor things be stuff that was critical of the locations yes okay yes. so right so i mean yeah i mean and I, I understand i mean not no place is perfect so you go on there you give an honest review it's not even necessarily uh, a complete and total pan of the place but there's a little bit of criticism in there and that mysteriously disappears huh yes and they're very very cautious about that um and i'm not sure if they're concerned about possible lawsuits i'm not ex- exactly sure what it was it never used to be like that. It was very open. People could be very honest about things, but they have a lot of control over what's on their site. Well, I mean, my guess would be that, I mean, again, since, since they're compensated in part by, you know, getting people to use, you know, some of the places that are featured there, the last thing they want is you saying, hey, Gru's restaurant is awful, <laughs> you know, because that's, that's, you know, that affects their compensation in, in some way, shape, or form. And I guess that's where the problem is. If they tell people up front, oh, by the way, we're going to sanitize these things, maybe it's different. But if they don't, people say, hey, I, I don't see anything negative here, that's where I think it might become an issue with regard to fraud yeah absolutely once there's a bias involved um it's no longer a place where you feel like you can get honest information right well well again and and you're being deceived um if all you read is the good stuff and 
it, it's even worse if you're being deceived because they only put the good stuff out there because it affects their compensation. No, thanks for the call. I mean, that's, you know, and, and you, you always run into that. I mean, I, you know, I've been doing a radio show in this market for 20 some odd years, and I, I always understand every once in a while I end up criticizing or I, I call them like I see them. And every once in a while, you criticize somebody that might, you know, advertise on the program. And I know what, or on the station, and I know that that leads sometimes to phone calls um, between, you know, the advertiser and the sales department. And it always causes a little bit of heartburn sometimes. And I get that. But, you know, my point is, hey, hey look, I mean, I do this show. People listen because you want to hear my honest opinion. I, I'm not going to change it just because, I don't know, somebody advertises on the Packers radio network or, or whatever. And to its credit, stay management has never said that you have to you want you got to be honest tiffany in sussex tiffany you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon i think this is a great topic for somebody like me who really started using TripAdvisor about seven years ago for my husband and i to safely travel mm-hmm. to our favorite place which is jamaica we stopped going all-inclusive i counted on those reviews for us to be able to find a place to stay that met our needs but that was safe and that was clean and right. safety was a big issue for us because once you leave the all-inclusives and you leave that, that secure little box, you want to know that where you're going, you're not going to be faced with something like a sexual assault. Well, right, and if, you, and, if you're, and if you're reading, you know, 50 reviews saying this place you're looking at going, Tiffany, hey, greatest thing in the world, it, it's super, you know, we, we, we had a wonderful time, we felt comfortable, etc., that's going to influence you. Well, if there's another 10 reviews saying, hey, we were robbed, we were assaulted, you know, whatever, that would affect you. But if they've taken off those 10 reviews, you're being deceived. Exactly, and now that they offer a link to, you know, click through and find the best prices. Right. If they're removing negative reviews so that these hotels that are putting people at risk are getting more bookings, then I'm just not going to use them anymore. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. And, and, not, right. and, and all of the travel sites, if you notice, if you go on Expedia and Book It and Booking and uh, Travelocity, Cheap Caribbean, all of those travel sites, oftentimes their reviews, when you click on the reviews, they're TripAdvisor reviews. They're not reviews from an independent site, and they're mm-hmm. not from their specific site. They're linked up with TripAdvisor. So where do you get the truth? Yeah, exactly. No, th- thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And that's why, I mean, again, I, I'm not one of these guys that goes nuts over, you know, over government regulation and things like that. But this practice does on its surface, strike me as being fraudulent. If if you are removing accurate... Now, I understand that you always have to be concerned about the defamation and things like that. But if you are removing accurate negative reviews because it affects your bottom line compensation without disclosing to consumers that you are doing that. Now, if you put up a big banner saying, you know, we edit for criticism. So this is this is the good stuff about the the place. Well, okay, that that's fine. Then you at least know that there's other stuff out there. But if you have people, I went down there, I got drugged, I was sexually assaulted and you keep trying to post that to warn people and TripAdvisor because it's going to cost them money is taking that off. Yeah, that does seem to me and I mark the tape here because there's not a lot of stuff that I agree with Tammy Baldwin about, but that does strike me as being something that I think the Federal Trade Commission should be looking at. That's big story number three. When we come back, I think Chris Abley 
Sheldon Wasserman, who is now a Milwaukee County supervisor, and a handful of other people should open their checkbook and write me and anybody else who lives and pays taxes in Milwaukee County a check for eighty-three grand. We'll be talking about that in just a minute. Before that, I, I just want to remind you we are doing something a little bit different this hour. If you go to our website, you log on to wtmj.com slash studio cam, we are broadcasting um, the show right now using a high-definition studio camera. This is the good stuff. So, again, WTMJ.com slash Studio Cam. You can watch us through the remainder of today's show. Check out my Marquette University sweatshirt. It's 128. This is Jeff Wagner. It's 136. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Just in time for the holidays, WTMJ.com is giving you a chance to win on an authentic NFL game ball autographed by Packers head coach Mike McCarthy. Just log on to WTMJ.com's contest page. Listen for the special keyword in the podcast player. Fill out the entry form, and you could be our lucky winner. You can enter daily, but you've got to be 18 to take part. Official rules up at WTMJ.com. Now, if you're just tuning in, we are we're trying out an experiment uh, today. It's actually, it appears to be working pretty well. We... Um, now, I should be careful what I wish for because this might become a permanent sort of thing if we have the success that it appears we're having right now. We're doing something a little bit different for the balance of the show. If you want to check out our studio cam, you can log on right now to WTMJ.com slash studio cam. We're broadcasting uh, the remainder of the show using a high-definition studio camera. Waving at the camera, um, wtmj.com slash studio cam. You can watch us through the remainder of today's show. Um, you know, we've done things with like live streaming on Facebook Live and all, but this is a definite, it's a definite step up as far as technology goes. So if you want to check it out, I'm wearing, I'm proudly wearing my Marquette University sweatshirt, Marquette's basketball team, big win last night. Going to see, I, I've got tickets. I haven't gotten to a game yet this year, um, but um, I'm going to the next two. They play Georgia on Saturday. Looking forward to that. All right. I couldn't start off the program with this because my blood pressure would go through the roof. And I, as I was saying in the in the lead into this, I, I hate to say I told you so, but I, I actually I did tell you so. Um, let me back into the topic. Last it was summer of 2016. I remember um, my my very best friend and. His wife, who's also a dear friend of mine, invited me to go to dinner with them at Lake Park Bistro, the Bartolotta's place um, in Lake Park, you know, on the east side of Milwaukee. Um, I had I hadn't been out in in a while. This was following my, my first wife's passing away, and so I, I was kind of looking forward to it. So we we went, and it was a Tuesday night, and we drove to the parking lot of of the restaurant, uh, Lake Park Bistro, and the place was packed. And, and I, I mean that you couldn't find a parking space in, in the immediate vicinity. And I remember thinking, what the heck is going on here? I mean, is is the re- is the restaurant that successful? It's a Tuesday night, and the parking lot is full. So we had to park a little ways away. We walked, and I went in and I talked to the the gal, you know, at the, the hostess, and I said, "What's going on here?" And she said, "Pokemon Go." And I said, "What?" And she's and I, I admit, a little bit behind the the technology curve there. You know, Pokemon Go was, of course, the you know, the, the app that you had where people could go out and they could capture, you know, whatever things. People would walk around with the app and, you know, it was one of the, what, stations or whatever they, they called it, one of the hubs or whatever they would call it. And people could go and they could walk around and you could capture these, these little Pokemon creatures and get points and things like that. When we came out after dinner, um, it was like 
it was like I was on the set of the Night of the Living Dead or the Walking Dead TV show because it was starting to get dark. And I swear, there were people coming out of the woods. There were people coming out of the bushes. There were people wandering around, and they were kind of shuffling like the zombie shuffle. And everybody was looking down at their phones. It was just, it was spooky. And But it was, again, it was this Pokemon Go app, and people were flocking to Lake Park to participate in, in this game. Well, I, okay, other than being a little bit annoyed that you had to park a little bit of far away, my reaction was... This is great. Our parks are, are, are to be used by the public. And, and I think, in general, Milwaukee County parks are, are just, they're treasures, but they're underused resources. And so because people were, because the, the game maker had essentially, you know, made, made this to be one of the, the game hubs, one of the stations for this, and people were, were coming into it, I thought it was absolutely great. People were actually using the park. Isn't this a tremendous thing? Well, in rides at least some members of the county board. Now, Lake Park is right on the Tony East side. You know, Lake Park is right at the end of Lake Drive, you know, right before it goes down to Lincoln Memorial Drive. And you've got lots of really, really expensive houses. I mean, some of the most expensive housing stock in Milwaukee is right in in that area. And what was happening is some of these neighbors, they didn't like the great unwashed coming into their area. I mean, there there were people from all over the county who would drive to Lake Park and they would park their cars and they would walk into the park and they would play this game. And so that meant that some of the people who lived in these Tony areas, well, they didn't have as much street parking as they were used to. And there were people walking up and down the sidewalks. And they were actually, and occasionally, occasionally they'd walk across their grass. So what happened is the rich people on the Lower East Side got upset that the great unwashed were coming into the area to, to play Pokemon Go in the public park. So the county supervisor for that area is a big lefty named Sheldon Wasserman, used to be a state representative, ran unsuccessfully against Alberta Darling for state senate. He represents that area. He lives in that area. And what they decided was, well, this is terrible. We've got people coming into Lake Park. They're actually using the park. And, and you know what? They're, they're taking up, like I say, the parking spaces. And uh, occasionally they, they don't completely pick up after themselves. And, and there's some litter that's there. And they walk on the grass and they, they, they trample over the grass. Heaven forbid. You know, they're, they're there. Now, the county could have gone one of two ways. They could have said, what a great thing. You've got all these people that are coming in. Hey, look, Pokemon Go was a fad, all right? But 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 nevertheless, it was a, a good fad. They could have done something positive. They could have said, hey, here's what we need to do. We need to figure out a way to monetize this. Let's get food trucks that are coming in there. Let's do something good because you've got all these people that are coming out and wanting to use the parks. They could have gone that route. Instead, they decided the elitist route. We don't want those people coming into our park. You know, they're driving up from Racine. There, there's people coming up from Racine to walk through Lake Park. Can you imagine that? Now, my response to this always was embrace it. Put in food trucks. Do something positive. If you have people that are littering, 
cite them for littering. If you've got people that are in the parks after the park closes, well, give them a ticket for being in the park after the park closes. I mean, you, you have to have rules. But don't we want to do things that attract people to the parks? Well, that's not what Sheldon Wasserman and Chris Abley and some people on the county board decided to do. Instead, they passed this ordinance which was targeted at what they call these augmented reality games. And the ordinance essentially said that these augmented reality games, the creators couldn't use sites in Milwaukee County Parks without a permit approved by the Parks Department. This was the brainchild, and I say that in quotation marks, of Liberal County Supervisor Sheldon Wasserman, who specifically wanted to target Pokemon Go and other reality games that incorporate park locations. All right, and again, they come up with this bogus thing. Well, we're, we're concerned that, you know, this is, uh, these pokey stops are, are going to, you know, create this, this problem. And so they created this ordinance, which essentially said you had to, you know, get permits to do that. Um, and then that there would be fees that would be applied. So they passed this ordinance. I said at the time it was a bad idea and it was probably illegal, but they went ahead and passed it. Well, okay, the the creator of Pokemon Go sues in federal court, has a hearing in front of federal judge uh, J.P. Stadmiller, who used to be, uh, who I consider to be a friend and mentor. He hired me for the U.S. Attorney's Office way back uh, then in another life. And Judge Stadmiller takes a look at this, and you know what? He finds that what the county did was, in fact, you know, illegal um, violation of the rights of the, uh, again, in this case, the, the creators said that, you know, this they have a First Amendment right of freedom of speech. He said the game is entitled to First Amendment protection, rules that the ordinance didn't provide sufficient procedural safeguards to protect free speech rights, etc., etc. In other words, he says the ordinance is unenforceable. Boom. All right. So what happens then is Pokemon, the creators, Pokemon Go, say, fine, we won. We want, we want our fees. <laughs> we, we want, um, you know, our, our legal fees as a result of this because, you know, we had to sue and we ended up winning. And the story today is that the county board um, has essentially signed off paying $83,000. And by the way, the county board and Chris Abley don't pay this. Those of us who pay taxes in Milwaukee County pay this $83,000 to settle the park access lawsuit. So they do something which is illegal. Now they lose in court $83,000 of taxpayer money will have to be shelled out to, again, and that's what they're entitled to. The Pokemon Go creators sued. They won. So it's costing us $83,000. It gets worse. The Corporation Council, this is Chris Abley's Corporation Council, she says, all right, well, we've decided that we're wrong, we're not going to appeal the ruling, but, 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 um, we're going to reconsider how to regulate this activity, and we're going to write a new ordinance. So in other words, we've lost... It's cost us $83,000. We've had to agree to a permanent injunction that this ordinance wouldn't be enforced. But you know what? We're still going to go after the Pokemon Go people. We're just going to try to find a different way to do it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
Chris Abley and Sheldon Wasserman, who pushed this, and all the rich people who didn't like you great unwashed going into Lake Park, um, what you have done is you have cost the taxpayers eighty three grand. That is bad enough. Now the Corporation Council saying, well, we're still going to try to figure out a way to regulate this. My response is, free Pokemon Go. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Should the county just just leave well enough alone? Wasserman and Abley have cost us $83,000 already. At this point in time, is it time to just say, we're just not going to continue to fight this battle. And maybe if they decide not to, maybe Abley and Wasserman should start reaching into their checkbooks and start posting the money so those of the rest of us who pay taxes in Milwaukee County don't have to do this. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should the county board just drop this and, again, call it quits? My answer is you bet. We discuss next. It's 148. This is Jeff Wagner. Again, if you want to watch us on our high-def studio cam, um, just simply, um, it's WTMJ.com slash studio cam, and you can see us do the show. 148, Jeff Wagner. If you're on the line, please hold on. Fifty-one, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's see, Jeff and Fox Point text. Um, is Pokemon Go even still being played? Star Wars Battlefront Two probably subtracted from the numbers, and the temperature uh, outside is supposed to go downhill next week. Wasserman and Avery need to move on or resign if they can't think of anything more important to do. Right, and it, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, Pokemon Go might have jumped the shark, but there's going to be something else, one of these augmented reality games. My point is, I think these are great for the community, and I'm sorry if Sheldon Wasserman and Chris Abley and some of the really, really rich people who live on the Lower East Side of Milwaukee don't like don't like people who don't have as much money driving into their neighborhoods to use the parks. But you know what? That's what the parks are for. Let's talk to John in Kenosha. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Um, I live in Kenosha on the harbor, and within two blocks of my house, I have three large parks. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about Pokemon Go was the fact that it brought so many people into the parks to enjoy and actually to monetize what we spent a lot of money on taxes. They, yeah. they, they really they enjoyed it. Uh, you know, And I never played the game, but my wife and kids played it. And frankly, I miss walking around seeing that many people enjoying the park at 9 o'clock at night. And, and matter of fact, you felt safe because there were so many people yeah. out. It wasn't. It was the polar. I thought it was the polar opposite of what they're complaining about, and I think they can't see the forest through the trees. Yeah, exactly. That, that, right, right. My my idea was okay. Embrace this. People are coming to use the parks. Like I say, maybe okay. Bring in some food trucks. License them. What whatever you know. Do that type. Now look, and I understand there's going to be some problems with it. I understand there's going to be some littering. Fine. You catch people littering. You cite them. I understand that there might be people staying after the parks close. Well, all right. Then then you give them citations. But but. My God, this was something good. It was something positive. And by the way, what the county board did was flat out illegal. This is another one of these harebrained things by the Clown Car Act that is the Milwaukee County Board, and it's cost us eighty-three grand. And my God, they're thinking about trying to pass another ordinance. At some point in time, doesn't somebody need to go down and, figuratively speaking, shake these people and say, "Really, how irresponsible?" Can you be Aaron in Brown Deer? Aaron, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. 
Hi, Jeff. This Hi, Aaron. How, how are you? I am well, thank you. Although this gets my blood pressure boiling. It's going to cost us $83,000 because of no. these idiots. I think it's going to cost more than $83,000 because we have to pay for the county lawyers, too. Yep. Yep. So it's probably more like $160,000. And, oh, by the way, we're going to do it again and go through this again? <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. 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 <laughs> Right, exactly. No, th- right, that 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 is that is the insanity. Okay, we've passed this ordinance to deal with a problem that doesn't exist. We've lost in federal court. The judges said this violates the First Amendment rights of this game. We're not going to appeal that, but we're still going to try to regulate this. Also, essentially, we can keep the great unwashed. We can keep you people from Kenosha and Racine out of coming up to Lake Park because some of the rich people that live in Sheldon Wasserman's neighborhood don't like it. Mike in Bayview. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. First of all, congratulations on your marriage. Thank you. I'm very lucky. I've outkicked my coverage. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And second of all, I would like to know, you know, I'm a second one here, and I'd like to know, where the hell were the lawyers for the county when they, when they were going through this stuff? Yep. You know, why, where, you know, where were they? You know, they, you know, they could have settled this you know, very easily. Hey, you know what? We don't have a chance. Let's do it. Let's just let it go for right now and everything else. Well, no, Mike, you know, that's a very fair question. Okay, the, the same corporation counsel now, Margaret Dawn, I don't know if she was – I don't know if she was in place at the time, but that's a fair question. She's the one saying, okay, um, you know, we're, we're going to try it again. Where was it, right? What crackerjack box did the lawyers get their degrees out of that they didn't tell them that this was going to be a problem in the first place? That, you know, hey, you passed this, you know, there's a good chance that you are going to lose this. You know, where was that? You're exactly right. Oh, yeah. Jeff, another thing, too, is I live in Bayview, and we got Humboldt Park over here. When they first came along with that, you know that uh, when they first came along with the, uh, you know, for the bar, you know, the you know right. the, uh, beer thing there. Well, they turned around and says, oh, you know, this is going to be bad and everything. They said, you know, they said it's going to be nothing but a bunch of drunks. I'll tell you one thing: that park hasn't been safer since. It is so safe. I mean, it's nice yeah. to see people using a park. They need to do something like this, you know, like keep it going. Right? Really no, you're right, Mike. I mean, you're talking about the beer gardens. I mean, I remember. I, the, Sheriff David Clark and I got into it, former Sheriff David got into an argument. He he thought, you know, when they put this the first beer garden in in Esterbrook Park, right within a mile of where I'm sitting now, oh, this is going to be terrible. You're going to have kids drinking. No, the, the problem with kids drinking is they buy a case of old style style beer and they go into the woods. They, they don't put down $10 deposits on glasses and sit and have high-end beer. The beer gardens have been a huge success. Pokemon Go has been a huge success. Lori in Milwaukee texts, I'd love to try new food trucks while playing Pokemon. Although if the neighbors don't like the extra people around, I am sure they would hate the vendors as well. Yeah, well, okay, too bad. Too bad. I understand that you might want to use the public parks as your own little private playground, but but tough. <laughs> no, just 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 tough. Um, let's see, another one of our texts. I think Abley should impose another wheel tax to pay the court costs. Yes, that's just this idea. Um, just imagine, here's another text. If they would have taken your food truck idea and put 80000 in their back pocket versus 80000 going out. Yeah, that's, I mean, this was a huge opportunity. Let's figure out ways to monetize this, but that's not what they were looking at. So Sheldon Wasserman, Chris Abley, and a couple other members of the county board, you have cost us a bunch of money, and, 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 apparently with the blessings of the Corporation Council, who got it wrong in the first place, they're going to cost us even more money. Hmm. 
157. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, if you want to watch us do this, you can go to WTMJ.com slash studio cam. We're experimenting with this today. I'll even wave for the camera. 157. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Stick around. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One quick reminder, we're experimenting with some, something that we're considering doing moving forward. If you go to WTMJ.com slash studio cam, you can watch us. We've got our high-definition studio camera going, and I know a number of people are. All right. Here's the deal. I, I, I just, I, when it comes to President Trump, I understand that I've figured out this way to be kind of in the middle of the road, which irritates people on both sides. I understand that there are people who think that Donald Trump can do absolutely no wrong. And it's why does everybody pick on him? Then I understand that there's other side of people who just absolutely hate him and he can do no right. And the truth of the matter is, I think it's a mixed bag. I think there are a number of initiatives that he has been responsible for in the going on, you know, now close to a year that he has been president that I think he deserves credit for. There's no question about it. At the same time, and I've argued this before, I think President Trump is in many respects his own worst enemy because he's really, really thin-skinned. He can't let sell stuff go, and he... He baits people. He has to get the last word. He uses his Twitter accounts as a way not to just go around the mainstream media to communicate with his supporters, but as a way of doing provocative things that I think are often counterproductive. And, you know, yesterday is another classic example, you know, of this. There is this this fringe British ultranationalist group that, that that's out there. And they have been promoting that they've got. And again, it's one of these it's one of these groups that are like, okay, an anti-immigration group. Immigrations ruin Britain, all those types of things. But it's it's way, way out there. This is one of these fringe groups. And they have put out a series of videos showing Muslims committing acts of, of violence. Um, The videos are entitled, Muslim Migrant Beats Up Dutch Boy on Crutches. Muslim Destroys a Statue of Virgin Mary. Islamist Mob Pushes Teenage Boy Off a Roof and Beats Him to Death. Now, um, these videos, um, the assailant in one of them was not a Muslim migrant. Uh, The two others showed four-year-old events with no explanations. But regardless, it doesn't matter. You know, you understand what the purpose of this is. So you've got these videos that are out there. Well, yesterday, President Trump decided to take these videos and to essentially retweet them, um, sharing these various videos. Um, and th- there's really no precedent, you know, for for this at, at all. But, you know, he sends it it out and of course this has created a a huge you know backlash now this comes at the same time where the president's been lashing out against you know cnn and nbc and the democrats um you've got the whole thing we talked about yesterday the controversy involving referring to elizabeth warren as pocahontas i don't care about that but it was the venue he chose to do it in the um in the you know oval office when he's supposed to be honoring 90-year-old Navajo code talkers who were, you know, prominent in World War, you know, too. Well, after sending this out, 
um, the reaction in London was was really sharp. When Prime Minister Theresa May, you know, she said, you know, what what are you we doing? It, she said it's wrong for the president to have done this. Britain First, that's the group, seeks to divide communities by their use of hateful narratives that peddle lies and stoke tensions. They cause anxiety to law-abiding people. Um, and so after getting that response from the prime minister, the president responds, Teresa, he writes on Twitter, don't focus on me. Focus on the destructive, radical Islamic terrorism that is taking place within the United Kingdom. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, let me be real clear here. I think President Obama's refusal to call out Islamic extremists was a load of hooey. I I think it got to the point of being embarrassing. And and I think you can denounce extremists. Um, I think you can denounce Islamic extremists, just like I think you can denounce the, you know, other sort of extremists who, you know, commit acts of terror in the name of their religion or some misguided interpretation of their religion. So I don't think there's any problem with necessarily, when there's a terrorist act, I don't think there's any problem at all with labeling, you know, the terrorists as what they are. And if they're Islamist extremists, okay, let's call them Islamic extremists. All right, but, but there wasn't a terrorist attack yesterday. This was gratuitously tweeting out these videos without any sort of comment or any sort of context that were produced, again, by some this kind of fringe group. And my point of this all is, why? I mean, what do you hope to accomplish by doing something like this? Now, many people have uh, risen to the defense of President Trump, but again, just like calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas in a ceremony in the Oval Office honoring Navajo code talkers, I see no purpose in what the president did yesterday. And again, I see it as counterproductive. And I have no problem with him denouncing Islamic extremists. But if he wants to do it, why not do it in some sort of context? And why get in bed with some fringe group in Great Britain? And why try to embarrass the, you know, the conservative prime minister of Great Britain. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Is this another example of President Trump being crazy like a fox and really kind of identifying and, and communicating an important issue? Or is this just another situation of somebody loose, that rolling cannon, that loose cannon rolling around the deck, looking for an opportunity to go off sometimes in the right direction, sometimes in the wrong direction, and sometimes shooting a hole in the ship. 414-799-1620. I swear I do not understand what the president does sometimes, and this is another example of it. What do you think? We're back to discuss in just a minute. It's 217. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, quick reminder, our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign is underway. Join us tomorrow at VMP Healthcare and Community Living in Milwaukee. Um, both myself and the entire Wisconsin's Afternoon News crew is going to be broadcasting live noon to 6. And we would love to see you and your kids there with your new unwrapped toys. The folks at uh, VMP Healthcare and Community Living, that's, of course, VMP Manor Park, um, they, they do a tremendous job. They set up this whole winter wonderland. They always have food and hot chocolate and coffee and soda, all sorts of great stuff. Again, we're going to be there from noon to 6. I'll be doing the show from our mobile 
broadcast facility, otherwise known as the Big Talking Box. Um, help those who need it this holiday season. Kids to Kids Christmas from WTMJ, the Salvation Army, and Capco Metal Stamping. 414-799-1620. President Trump retweets that these, these videos that are a few years old that purport to show Muslims beating people. Now, one of the videos, it's not a Muslim that's doing this, but there's no context. It just He just sends these things out, and it's created a huge controversy. My point is I have no trouble with him identifying Islamic extremists and calling it out and things like that. But doing stuff like this, to me, well, the way I've seen it described, it's kind of like the loudmouth at the end of the bar who just starts ranting about something, you know, after having three drinks. That's there's no context, there's no nothing, and it's coming from the leader of the free world. Let's start with Carl in Beloit. Carl, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. How are you, Joe? I'm good, thanks. What do you think? Uh, well, you just stated the loudmouth at the end of the bar. I think if people ignore him after a while, maybe he'll shut up with all the attention given to him during the race for presidency. I think that only bolstered him and... Uh, drew more attention to him and he feeds off that, you know. Um, he's like a little child that needs that, regardless of who yeah. he insults or who he spites. He yeah. Just- I mean, what, what struck me about this, Carl, is is I, I there, there's no context to it. I mean, again, if there's just been a terrorist attack and, and you're you're denouncing, you know, the ISIS or whoever's claiming it, I, I think you know it's perfectly appropriate. But just to take these very inflammatory videos, uh, which may or may not purport to be what they are, and just send it out, it does. It just reminds me of that guy sitting at the corner who all of a sudden starts screaming, "Those, you know, those blankety blank whatevers," <laughs> going, "Well, where, where's this guy?" coming from but this is the leader of the free world who's doing this i know it's embarrassing really and uh yeah if he had any real thought behind his actions and his words then maybe if he you know we could digest it but it's such a random and and like you said unthought of right you know reply that he's ranting and who who likes to listen to someone go into a rant you know well well, exactly thanks to call And, and of course now I, I understand you know the whole America first thing and I, I but okay you know we've always had what's the phrase they use special relationship with Great Britain so you have the Prime Minister of Great Britain Theresa May who who's dealing okay she's you know she's got a tough she's got a tough job there you know and you're you're trying to put this whole thing together but they're you know Great Britain's our big ally you know and she's trying to deal with the this like extremist. Party, and that's what the group that puts this out. This Britain first people. This this is the this is the extreme, you know, version of, of British politics. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's equivalents, you know, here to give you an idea. David Duke applauds President Trump for sending this. Okay, when David Duke is sending out tweets applauding you for doing it, you know, you've got some issues there. But okay, Theresa May, she's she's going. Okay, this is I'm supposed to have a relationship with the Republican President of the United States, and he's sending this stuff out while I'm trying to deal with these kooks. And he's giving them, uh, essentially, you know, he, he's wrapping them with the cloak of the presidency and giving them a degree of legitimacy. Huh. 414-799-1620. Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hiya, Jeff. Hi, Tom. See, I'll tell you what. This is Donald Trump being Donald Trump. And I'll tell you, we, we go back and forth on this, but his mentors were Roy Cohen and Jimmy the Greek. And I don't think he's ever going to change. And if you look at Roy Cohen and... 
Jimmy the Greek, they were the same way. They just kept on punching and punching and punching. They like intimidating people. They like to make their noise. All the noise they can make is the better off they are. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> and sooner or later, it's going to come back. It always does. It, it always does. Because people, at, at some point in time, you know, people get sick of blowhards. They, well, they, they just, do. they just do it. You wear it out. Thanks for going. Again, I'm, I, I mean, I was looking for what the context of the retweet was. I mean, it, again, there's, I, there's all sorts of things that if you wanted to offer thoughtful, insightful commentary, if, even if you wanted to be provocative, I got no problem. But just doing this. Uh, accomplishes absolutely nothing. Like I say, it does remind me of just that person just sitting there ranting that all of a sudden starts screaming about whatever. You know, it's, it's you go, all right, that's that's crazy Uncle Al. 414-799-1620, Paul in Lake Geneva. Paul, good afternoon. Well, hello, gentlemen. I love your show. Thank and, you, sir. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know of these people that he's talking about, and this would be, actually, this would be no different than him coming out and supporting your Ku Klux Klan or whatever white supremacy group. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's what. So what you're saying is that's what Britain First is. That's really what this group is. It's the equivalent sure. of like yeah. the KKK. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, oh yeah, you know, Britain has a huge problem with the influx of refugees and whatever. And that's all controlled by Belgium. That's why they want to get out of the European Union. So there is a huge problem there. So you know. Probably actually worse than ours because all these people come into the country and now all of a sudden they're on the public dole. They're, they're getting free health insurance. They're getting in probably many of these people in, in this country are as well. But, uh, so there's a, there's a huge problem there. But this, you know, he's, he's kind of becoming someone that no one takes seriously anymore. Yeah, and it's and it's and Paul, thanks for the call. And right, and, and I guess it's kind of counterproductive. I understand that Britain has an immigration issue, and I I think the Prime Minister Theresa May grapples with that and gets it. And you're trying to figure out, okay, how how do you do this and how do you deal with it? And this type of stuff isn't helpful. Now, there is not a unanimity of opinion. Gru, who's producing the show, whenever I go down this route, this I also get. Here's one of my texts, Wagner. Shut the hell up regarding Trump already. How dare you, Jeff? How dare you suggest that anything the president might have done might have not been thought out and considerate and 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 very, very appropriate? Well, no, this is what we do on the program. We, we call things as we see them. And I give the president credit when I think he deserves credit for stuff. And there are things that are in that category. But I said, I've said it before. I will say it again. He would be so much better off. His opinion, his numbers would be so much better in the polls, and he would have so much more respect if somebody would just take away that phone and say, okay, here's the rule. No tweeting between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. Just, just Let's start with that. No tweeting between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. So when you, you're up at 4.30 in the morning and you have a wild hair up a certain part of your anatomy, you're not going to be able to just go off and do that. I'm, it's not going to happen. I, I understand. But things like he did yesterday doesn't help anything at all. 228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Thirty-seven, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. Once again, if you're just tuning in, we are experimenting with one of our new features. If you go to wtmj.com, 
slash studio cam. One word. We've got our new high-definition studio camera operating. Um, we're going to do this on a periodic basis moving forward, but you can you can watch radio happen. I know a lot of people are. Our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign is underway. Join us tomorrow at VMP Healthcare and Community Living in Milwaukee. Both myself and John McCure and Melissa Barclay are going to be broadcasting live noon to 6. We would love to see you and your kids there with your new unwrapped toys. Help those who need it this holiday season with Kids to Kids Christmas. Christmas from WTMJ, the Salvation Army, and Capco Metal Stamping. All right, um, I, I said this yesterday after after our our radio play that we performed at uh, at Turner Hall on on Monday. It was really the first time I had been. It's the first time I'd been down to Turner Hall and across the street from the Bradley Center for a while. I, I've been past where the new arena is going up downtown, but I, I really I hadn't seen it from. Like the the third and fourth street view, I'd kind of seen it from the um, west and from the north, and I, I guess, I I just I, candidly, visually, I'm underwhelmed by this. It it looks to me like a giant comb over. You know, there was a story in the paper yesterday about how the design looks remarkably like the design of a car wash somewhere. You know, and it it looks to me like it's a giant comb over. I understand it's supposed to be brew kettles, but. I think, you know, the architects, yeah, I think that should have gone back to the drawing board. But maybe it's going to look really cool once it's all finished and once they have all the lights on and things like that. that that's all well and good. I'm less concerned about the design because the truth is it's going to be a new state-of-the-art arena. I think the games are going to be great to go to. But, 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 that is not going to be what determines the success of this project. The, the success or failure, judging whether taxpayers contributing $250 million towards building a, a new arena, and I was in favor of that. That's not going to be whether or not you know it's a good arena to go to see games at. It's going to be. It's going to be a state-of-the-art arena. It's going to be a great place to see concerts. It's going to be a great place to see ball games. I am excited about it opening next year. But that's not going to be the indicator of whether or not it is a success. What is going to be an indicator is whether or not it brings additional traffic to downtown. And that's why, you know, when, when we were having the entire discussion of the arena, we weren't just talking about a new arena. We were talking about the entertainment complex, which was going to surround the arena. Now, a story in the paper the other day talked about how the entertainment complex, it's it's off to a slower-than-expected start. They don't think it's going to be finished until the spring of 2019, um, one of the key commercial buildings in the entertainment complex. Apparently, it's now being scaled down. It was going to be four stories. It's going to be two. Now it's going to be two stories because um, apparently people are saying you're not going to be able to get tenants for the top two stories. So they're scaling this all down, and it appears to be there's at least a little bit of backing off on on this entertainment area, which again, in my mind, is going to be the key indicator of whether or not this whole thing is a success. Now, as I was down there, again, Monday night, we did our, our radio show. After we have got done, I um, went around the corner uh, at Buck Bradley's. I, I love going to Buck Bradley's. It's a great place for a sandwich before or after a game, sandwich and a beer and things like that. And, you know, we went in there with the group I was with, had a lot of fun. There's a number of places uh, along that, that whole Third Street area, kind of by Mater's and Buck Bradley's and all those different places that do, you know, e- extremely well. 
But I got to believe that they depend on the arena traffic. Uh, and I, I say that without having talked with any of the owners in great detail. But, you know, it's it's obviously, I, I don't know, on a, on, a, on a Monday night when nothing else is going on, my guess is there's probably not that many people. But before a Marquette game, before a Bucks game, you know, you've got a lot of people that are going down there. They want to be in the proximity of the the arena you want to park you want to be able to go get something to eat something to drink and then go to to the game so the question i have had since the beginning is whether or not this entertainment complex and the new arena is it going to bring new people bring additional people into the downtown area who will patronize not only what is in the entertainment complex, but continue to patronize all the surrounding businesses, particularly the ones on 3rd Street. Will we have an influx of people? Or are what we going to see simply that the business is being cannibalized? In other words, um, Jeff and Gru's Bar and Grill opens up in the entertainment complex, all right, right across from the New Bucks Arena. All right, are there new people coming down to go to that and go to the places on 3rd Street? Or is it only going to be people who, well, you know, we used to go to this place, but now let's go check out the, the new place. Are we going to be bringing new people in, or are we just going to be shifting additional people? Now, keep in mind, the other wild card here is in the new arena itself, they're going to have all sorts of food stands and vendors. They're going to have all sorts of, you know, chances to get, you know, good beers and things like that. You know, is it even more like so than with the Bradley Center, where you are going to have just some people who are going to come down, they're going to attend the games, and then they're going to turn around and drive home, but they're going to spend their money inside the facility. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We won't know the answer for a couple years. But I guess, what do you think is going to happen? Are we going to see the critical mass of people around the entire area increasing? Or is it simply going to be just shifting? And I know that there's a lot of businesses and people up in the area around Paps to the west uh, of the facility. I know a lot of those places are saying, okay, well, we think, you know, we're hoping at least that when the new facility is built, that brings a huge influx of people in, and it's going to add as opposed to just shifting. Shifting or adding? 414-799-1620. And uh, I can make the argument either way. I mean, I, I hope it is going to be additive. I'm having questions and second thoughts about whether that's going to be the case, though. 414-799-1620, what's going to happen? Do you think that New Arena and the Entertainment Center, is Entertainment District, is going to bring more people down to the area, or are we just going to be redistributing the existing people that come down? 414-799-1620, we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 244. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The, the plans for this this entertainment complex, which is going to be in the shadow of the New Bucks Arena, um, they're they're moving. They're being scaled back already, and they're moving along a little more slowly than people thought. To me, the key in the Bucks Arena, whether it's ultimately a success or not, is whether or not 
you have the type of development that people are hoping for. Are more people going to come down? Is this going to be a citation, a site for a, a, like a critical mass? Are you going to see more people moving into that area? Because if all you're going to do is, okay, we're going to open some new bars and restaurants to the um, north of the uh, of where the Bradley Center is, and all that's going to do is like hurt some of the businesses now to the west, well, you haven't really gained anything. And I guess that's part of my concern. I'm hoping that this is new and shiny and attractive enough that you're going to get, actually get people who are going to want to go down there and, and stay and, and that there's going to be enough new people coming in to patronize the existing businesses, many of which I love, as well as whatever the new businesses are. Fred in Milwaukee, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. Hi, Fred. You're on the air. Yeah. Hey, listen. Uh, you're, you're just going to get the same exact amount of people that go there now uh, because there's a lot of people they just don't care to go to see the bucks right and you're going to get the same amount of people that are going to go see the bucks and as far as just being a big shiny place well it's like people buy a brand new car i mean oh wow we got to go see his car and all of a sudden after you see his car who wants to go see his car again right well i guess my question would be though if if they're if they, they have a lot of cool bars and restaurants and things like that, might it attract people on days when there's not a Bucks game or there's not a Marquette game? Might people just say, hey, this is going to be a destination. We want to go down there and hang out on that Monday night in January because there's people here, there's stuff to do. Yeah, you know, but you're going to get the exact same people that go to all those bars and all those mm-hmm. places now. They're just going to go there to use that one. They're going right. to jump back and forth, but... You're not going to all of a sudden say people from the south side or people from the far north side. Oh, we got to go there because it's brand new. Right. I mean, it's just, it's just not going to work. You know. Well, I think th- that that is the concern I have, and I gotta say it's off to a little bit of a of a slower start. I, I think, and they're already starting to scale back things. Now, I don't want to be a complete. I don't want to be completely negative on it because what you want to do is you obviously want to see something like this work. It, it is a matter of concern, and I admit I've been. I've been worried all along. Now, now here, here's the reality. The alternative is that if you hadn't built that new – as somebody who's kind of got an interest and, and a fondness for the existing businesses down there, the, the truth of the matter is if you hadn't have built – if you didn't build a new facility, um, there's no question in my mind the Bucks would have left. And so a, a lot of those businesses in that area are dependent on, you know, having having the bucks there, you know, bringing that critical mass of people down. So if you don't have those those 40-some-odd dates and you're not able to get as many concerts or whatever, that would have probably meant a lot of those other existing businesses. So now they face competition from new businesses, but I think a lot of them would have been in a really a world of hurt um, if you didn't have that new facility that was there. Let's talk to, talk to Clark in Oconomowoc. Clark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Uh, I guess my point would be that it, it depends. And why, why I say that is because part of the argument that the owners had in not investing 100% of their money into the arena was that they have to invest heavily into the team and the salaries to make up the championship team. Right. This isn't, this isn't the Brewers. This, uh, this isn't the Packers where they're sold out for 30 years. Right. This is, this is like the Brewers and the Bucks where they have to invest heavily in the team to make it a championship team to bring people in. So if they don't, if the owners don't invest in new talent, uh, it's, I don't think they're going to.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's all. You think it all comes back to, you know, is is the team going to be good? And if the team is good, people come down. If they're not, it's going to be same old, same old. Right. No, I think. Well, obviously, you know, that's that's one of the factors. I mean, if if you put an exciting product out, now I, um, I, you know, I, John McLaughlin. And I don't mean to, to name drop, but we had a wonderful conversation the other night. I've been a big fan of Johnny Mac, and he's uh, he and his wife I know listen to the show from time to time. And you know, he keeps telling me, Jeff, this he was actually telling this you got to watch the NBA. Great athletes, and he said the Bucks are really a team on the rise. And I think you're right. I mean, if if there is that excitement built around there, more people are going to come down, and they're going to want to be a part of it. Let's see our text line. Much of the success of the area surrounding the district will be based on if the team has success. Yes. Now, here's another opinion. Sorry, I have no interest in going to the new arena. It does look like a comb-over. I would never go downtown until this mayor cleans up the city of the violence. Um, yeah, that's I mean, that's always going to be an issue. My guess is, and this is just my prediction, at least for the first couple of years, one of the safest parts of the city of Milwaukee is going to be that area around the arena because the last thing you need is to get the reputation that there might be that there might be some crime there. My guess is that's going to be a pretty darn safe to be place to be. Justin texts, I really hope the entertainment district will eventually draw new patrons from a broad area, but perhaps people around here explore new things less readily than the bigger cities, um, so the growth might be a tad slower. Yeah, I think what they're also hoping is that this kind of leads to a renaissance and some more of that development in the park east that for years and years I derided as, as being a moonscape. It's changing. You know, it's changing, and it's changing for the better. It's unfortunate that it took as long for that change to happen. Okay, it is 2.53. We're getting ready to wind down our our studio cam. It's been a fun experiment. John McCure, Melissa Barkley are in for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. We'll be back to find out what they have out there. Our minds in just a moment. It's 2.54. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.